Hey, welcome to this episode of Vibe Check. On this episode of Vibe Check on the African Pre-Seed Podcast, we have Nelia Khodise, founder at Tola. Please describe your startup journey from South Africa to San Francisco. Why did you go to Silicon Valley? Well, my startup journey from South Africa to San Francisco actually started in 2016. When I started my first company, Ametech, I was an ex-Tel founder at that time starting Ametech because at the time I was still doing my academic research in the field of mechanical engineering. And part of it was doing the applications of additive manufacturing for in the medical space, doing facial prosthetics. And at that time, during my clinical trials, I discovered that there could be way of applications of the technology to be more focused on helping in women's health, particularly addressing breast cancer through breast prosthetics. And that's how I built my first product, which turned out into a startup that got great, tremendous support from quite a number of businesses in South Africa, South African breweries, Discovery. And during that time, I got multiple opportunities to go to Silicon Valley through the Global Entrepreneurship Summit in 2016 that was held in Silicon Valley. And that was my first experience of Silicon Valley and really experiencing the ecosystem, the wealth of innovation in the place and the wealth of community orientation that Silicon Valley has. So even that year, towards the end of 2016, I also got an opportunity through Discovery program where they were taking some health tech entrepreneurs from South Africa to Silicon Valley. It's an invention week where we got to meet quite a number of investors, meet different founders. We're also working within the health tech space and different types of startups in education. It was my second experience of Silicon Valley and, you know, it ignited that excitement of being in the Silicon Valley ecosystem and also exposed me to the opportunities that I could gain from being in that type of environment. So when I came back to South Africa, you know, between 2016 and 2018, whilst building Tech and seeing the company grow, I still believe that there is opportunity for me to spread my wings beyond South Africa because South Africa is great as it is as a market and the support I enjoyed building my first company in South Africa. I still believe that there could be more opportunity of being in a bigger market like the US. I had spent years studying that market and it's a bit quite closely related to the South African market. Although, you know, the economic systems might be different with here being a free market economy and South Africa being a different economic status. But then, you know, the cultural relationships in the U.S. is similar from South Africa. There's different experiences that are quite similar that I felt if there's any other place that I could be in the world building a company, it would be the U.S., So in 2020, I took my chance of moving to the U.S. right in the middle of COVID. It was me saying now or never. And it was not just about taking that risk. It was 
I had gotten to a point where after I met tech, I built my second startup, Tola. And, you know, normally they always say when you start a company, one of the things that you also need to do is choose the ideal market you need to launch a company in. And I always hold true to the experiences of the Wright brothers. I mean, they are from Ohio, but they took their first flight in North Carolina. So it's not always the case that one needs to start business in their home market. One needs to find a favorable market to start in. And for us, it was the U.S. market, particularly because with this company, we are more agricultural focused and a bigger market opportunity for us was in the U.S. because it would give us a good five years where we would be able to be in the same country, operating with one language, one currency, and the relationships will be similar. What did you learn from founding a startup that failed? What I learned in my journey of starting a first startup that failed is the nature of failure. So a lot of times when we talk about startup failures, we often look at it at lack of product market fit, like no demand in the markets, things such as lack of fundraising, uh, maybe the team splitting apart. Those are high level ideas of what causes startup failure. But what happened with iMedTech was that failure was caused by scale and my inexperience. And it's some of those things that we don't talk about because when I started Amatech, I was literally a thorough engineer, had never quite experienced leading a business before. So it was my first time and I needed a, as much guidance as possible, which I never quite got, especially from people that had led tech startups before. So when we reached product market fit and the demand was quite high. Literally, that paralyzed me. So at some point, I killed the business because of my lack of understanding how to manage demand at that time. So it's one of those things where, you know, they always say when a company gets to product market fit, the only way that it does is if the founders can't handle scale at the magnitude as it's coming at. And that was my biggest lesson of failure. And it's the one that it's not quite spoken of because I think a lot of startups never get to product market fit or a lot of founders never experience what product market fit is because product market fit is the most painful experience a founder can ever be in. You know, there was moments when I hated the business and what it was doing to me because every single moment is customer calls. A customer wants this, a customer wants the other thing. Sometimes customers want customization and still in the process there is me having to get the media attention which is something I had not been used to and all those things coming all at once to me it's sort of 
paralyzed me and it affected my mental health and because I didn't have quite a holistic support or access to mentors from founders who had previously started tech startups that had gotten product market fit and grown successfully, I became isolated. And that part is what really killed Tech. So that caused our failure. And those lessons, taking it into Tola, because currently we in Tola, we are doing um, what we typically call a pay now, pick later, working with farmers, enabling their customers to pay for the products and then get them later as a way to help a lot of farmers achieve sales predictability, um, get working capital from their customers vis-a-vis having to get dilute financing or debt financing and also helping them be able to produce uh, quantities that are needed because one of the difficulties within agriculture is that we are facing a lot of overproduction and we find that globally there's like 40% of food that is produced goes to waste. So we're trying to manage that as part of managing farmers spending nature in goods that go to waste and also being able to reduce the global impact of food waste. What misconceptions do African founders have about Silicon Valley? The misconceptions that African founders have about Silicon Valley is that it's just a quick get money place. So I often see a lot of African founders just decide, you know what, we're leaving our continent, going to Silicon Valley to just raise funding because African VCs are not giving us money. And they don't understand the kind of community that Silicon Valley is. One, it's a very connected community. And uh, we are surrounded by so many people from different parts of the world who are committed to building products and businesses that have a positive impact in the world. And a lot of times I often see that African founders seek less of what Silicon Valley offers. One thing that Silicon Valley offers is a community. It offers the opportunity to be surrounded by people going through similar journeys as you who are committed to changing the world for the better. And I think it's not the experience that they seek most. And one thing I always say is that they deny themselves the opportunity to discover the beauty of Silicon Valley. And, you know, only saying that you are going to get there for funding is not enough. And sometimes you find that some of these founders another great fit for what Silicon Valley investors are looking for. And you look at their businesses and you say to them, but there is so many VCs from the continent who easily support you. Why did you leave them behind and go to Silicon Valley? So I just think that more African founders need to start being more engaging with um, the African VC ecosystem, start appreciating African VCs because we have a wealth of great VCs on the African continent. Some of them have our previous founders who understand the operational nature of building a tech company, tech startups on the African continent that a lot of African founders can leverage from. And some of them have had the experiences of scaling 
tech companies globally and also building in markets such as the US that African founders can leverage from before going to Silicon Valley. What is the perception of the African VC ecosystem among the stakeholders that you interact with in the Silicon Valley scene? You know, looking at the perception that people in the Silicon Valley have about the African VC ecosystem, a lot of them don't have much of a perception about it because they haven't engaged much with the African VC ecosystem. But I could share my own perspective of the African VC ecosystem, particularly at a time where we are at when we are facing a market downturn and a lot of founders failing to raise funding. You know, three years ago if or five years ago, if you had asked me what I think of the African VC ecosystem, I would easily say that it's slow, these people don't care about innovation, they want demand too much from founders that at the early stage that founders cannot offer. But having experienced the African VC ecosystem, I'm quite thankful of how it shaped me. Because the thing about African VCs is that you don't easily get a dollar from them. They are quite meticulous in the type of details they want where a startup needs to be before they can fund that startup. And all those experiences of doing a due diligence with African VCs somehow shapes founders because a lot of times with African VCs, they would want a lot of your past financials. They would want to see the structural foundations of a company. They would want nitty-gritty informations about a company so that they manage the risk. And it's that risk management that shapes you as a founder because if you can easily do due diligence with an African VC and successfully get a check from them, you can easily get a check from any VC anywhere in the world, especially in the US. So I quite appreciate it because Currently, where we are at with the market downturn and a lot of founders, startups failing to raise funding, I find that a lot of startups from the African continent who have previously raised with African VCs are at a better position because the learnings that they had allowed them to be sharp enough, allowed their startups to be well-positioned to still get funding even on a, in a market downturn. I mean, when an African VC says at seed level, you need to be generating 20,000 monthly carrying revenue and you find startups getting to that level, I mean, it, it puts them at a better position. The other very interesting thing about African VCs, their strategies and having a VC that forces a founder to be a strategist puts a founder at a better position to manage the risk of a market downturn, the risk of, say, you know, the crypto fall. Founders are able to manage those setbacks that happen globally, like in the business, in the different businesses, in different markets. And those are the benefits of African VCs. 
you know, you'd have asked me years ago if I love the African VC ecosystem, I would have totally said I'd go to Silicon Valley. I don't like African VCs. But over the years studying the African VC ecosystem and how it has successfully grown over the years and the influence that it has had on the caliber of founders that we see emerging from the African continent, I truly applaud the nature of the African VC ecosystem. It's still at ground level, but I truly believe that the manner in which it has held itself in the past few years will have a tremendous benefit in how Africa shapes itself, how the tech ecosystem, the startup ecosystem coming from the African continent shapes itself because now we are going to see more and more founders and companies that are so strategic and founders that are level-headed, founders that have survival mentality and able to weather the storms, able to rise above all adversity. And it's shaped by how our VC ecosystem is set up. How do you keep perspective amid the highs and lows of being a founder? How do you take care of your mental health? Normally how I take care of my mental health as a founder is I do a lot of therapy. And because we take for granted the importance of regular therapy sessions, as a founder, not just as a founder, as a human being existing in the world we are existing today, where every single day we are faced with so many challenges. Load shedding in South Africa is a challenge, and I truly believe it affects so many people, and it affects so many people's mental health, where therapy is quite important. Things such as crime, things such as poverty, things such as, you know, any unique challenges that people face in their different countries. Every single person has to dedicate time to mental health. It's even harder for startups because, you know, as a startup founder, there are so many challenges that you deal with on a daily basis. Even when you are, when your business is doing good, there is compounding challenges that you deal with. And doing therapy is quite important. And the other thing I've also learned over the years is having intellectual honesty, being honest about yourself, where you are at. And I think it's something that a lot of founders don't quite do a lot because we want to measure ourselves with where our peers are. And sometimes it can create some lies that we tell ourselves about where we are at as in our different startups, just uh, setting ourselves with where our peers are. So with me getting to the point where I got to have some mental, some intellectual honesty, being honest with myself, looking at myself in the mirror every day, talking to my team every day about where we are and being intellectually honest has helped me be able to be level-headed and cool despite the everyday turmoil of being a startup founder. Another thing is appreciating my journey, appreciating the little things and celebrating the little things. I know a lot of times we often 
think that startups are successful when they've raised rounds of fundings or when they're at certain levels. That's when people celebrate startups and usually founders never celebrate the little wins. So with me and with my team, we celebrate the little wins. We cut down works, the work that we need to do in small pieces so that it's easy for us to realize the wins quite quickly. And those wins motivate us to tackle, take up more and more challenges and thrive at them. So I think it's, it's sort of a way on how you structure you know, the ways in winning and figuring out how to keep, be cool-headed because a lot of times I see a lot of founders don't have a great way of being cool-headed. They literally think that absorbing all this pressure without going for therapy, talking it through, being intellectually honest with themselves is it's not a route they would take. And the other thing is also be vulnerable as a founder. That is something I've always allowed myself to be. When I don't know something, I ask for help. When I feel like I'm reaching a level where I'm beginning to be weak or I don't know much for me to take the next step. I'm vulnerable enough to other founders probably going through similar situations to tell them that I really don't know what to do. Could you give me some guidance? Could you help me? And also vulnerable around my support system, having my mother, having very close friends, having mentors that I can easily open up to, honestly open up to about my feelings, about where I am. It allows me to be level-headed. It allows me to be in a place of peace. And something quite unique that I do is I you know, participate in quite a number of sporting events. I have a great, I have a sporting background, but right now I participate in sport. And one thing I've always done over the years is whenever I'm faced with a huge challenge within the startup, I do a lot of running. So that's the moment when I, I tell myself I'm going to increase my running distance by one mile. So uh, after increasing my running distance by one mile and I successfully achieve it, you know, it gives me some positive energy. You know, there's literally some dopamine that's excreted uh, in my brain. Like it gives me some joy at that moment. So I usually take that joy and translate it into my business. So I usually intertwine running a startup with um, external hobbies and external activities where I sort of win it and I take that joy of winning back into my startup so that I continuously have that positive energy that gets me through the day. I mean, with me, the lucky thing is that I've always had my mother who has always taken care of my mental health for a very long time. I think having, for her, having a child like me who was suffering from, you know, high-functioning autism, what people would call spectrum, um, is something I'm quite honest with because, you know, a lot of times we need to start talking about some of the mental challenges that mental health challenges that we deal with. And for a very long time from since I was young, 
my mom always took care of that aspect of my life, um, having to help me get a balance whenever I was too high or my lows were too low, uh, because it's usually tough as a founder, even tough as a founder when you are dealing with high-functioning autism. So I've learned over the years to be able to manage it. And somehow I have a very incredible team that sort of gets to detect moments when my highs are too high and my lows are too low. So having a co-founder who is able to balance me out when I'm too low, uh, his energy spikes up so that he can be able to manage the business. And when I'm too high, it's sort of, he can then take the back seat. So it's the importance of having a great team. That is why, you know, a lot of VCs would say we want founders to have co-founders because those are the hardships of running a startup without a co-founder and an incredible team. So, thanks for listening. If you're an African-focused founder or investor looking to learn more about Africa's tech ecosystem, check out africanpreseed.com for more great content like this. Otherwise, that's all for now. I'm Nelo Khodise, and this has been Vibe Check. Remember, for every founder out there, think big, start small, but just start. Take care.